0: Hello and welcome to Still Any Good, the podcast where we run the risk of ruining our childhoods by revisiting fondly remembered films. My name's Christopher Webb and with Rob still on parental leave, we've brought in another guest. He's back. It's Marek Larwood.
1: Oh, hello, Chris. And hello, uh, Rob, listening from home. I don't really understand how you can take paternity leave from a podcast.
0: Yeah, that was his excuse. I'm not really sure. I think he's probably just had enough of me. Is
1: it indefinite, this paternity leave, or...? I think
0: his son is now about nine years old, so he's going to be coming back quite soon. All oh, right. So, how's it going?
1: Oh, not too bad, Chris, in a rainy north London. And I've picked a film that I genuinely hadn't seen since I was... I must have been 1988, so I must have been 11 or 12 years old. And the reason I picked this film is this film led to my brother doing a perfect roundhouse kick in my head immediately afterwards. <laughs> so,
0: so it's not Care Bears the movie then it's,
1: no it's called No Retreat No Surrender Jason Stilwell wanted to be a champion but he's having a tough time at school Look, no excuses sir, Mister. let made of Fight. and a tougher time Stay out of the way, punk. She's mine. But Jason has a dream. Someday I'm gonna be just like him. He needs a little help and a lot of guidance.
0: Now your training begins. He's just found the best. Set the images all in your head. The result is
1: power! Now, Jason's getting serious. Getting fast, (laughs) and getting competitive. He wanted to be a champion. You're good, I get better. But he never expected to be a hero. No retreat, no surrender. And it's a martial arts film. And this was during the 80s craze, post-karate kid martial arts. My dad got it from the video store, as all dads do for kids of that age. Absolutely. And after, and we both had friends round. It must have been a rainy day, like today or something. And afterwards, we decided we are going to try and replicate some of the, the martial arts moves in the film. And my brother did a kick. A roundhouse kick is when you sort of twists. I don't know what it was, but I don't know if you've ever it happened to you where... By some fluke, you've done something perfectly. Some physical mm-hmm. bit of magic has happened where my brother managed to do the perfect roundhouse kick and connected with the side of my head, knocking me into the sofa, Amazing. partially concussed. I think I didn't cry or anything because I was so wow. shocked. I had and I admired the fact that he <laughs> managed to kick me in the head. <laughs> Perfectly,
0: it's <laughs> impressive. It probably
1: caused me brain damage, and that's why I am the person I am today. But I thought, all right, let's pick that one to
0: watch. Yeah, how things could have been, because of course, I, this is the brother who's now a successful novelist.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could have been like a Cambridge yeah. uh, graduate. I could have had my own set of uh, plays on at the West End, sort of art making art house films, and instead, you're here with me. Yeah. You're in a garage.
0: Yeah, if you do. <laughs>
1: um, I mean, a lot of people have probably got brain damage because of this film.
0: It's a very hazardous film because there's roundhouse kicks, I mean, there's some very, very dangerous skateboarding, some some hazardous body popping. So I think there could have been quite a lot of casualties.
1: I mean, should I tell the listeners what the basis of this film we're going to go through?
0: Yes, please
1: do. So, No Treat, No Surrender is a film that was directed I can't remember his name, Corey yin or something uh, Corey Yuen, yeah Ewan, and he employed this guy to write a <laughs> <the> script <laughs> who had no previous experience of writing scripts apparently and lied saying he had written screenplays <laughs> <laughs> and it is the second uh, appearance of Jean-Claude Van Damme who plays a minor role and it's probably yeah. much underused he plays one of the villains in it it's about basically a story of this young kid, almost like the karate kid, but who's yeah. inspired by Bruce Lee to become really good at martial arts. <laughs> I don't know if I've described it really well. I mean, I've probably oh. described it about as well as it's been written. As well as the scriptures.
0: <laughs> no, I have to say, I'd never seen this before. That might come as a shock to you. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd i seen the poster, I'd seen it in things like the video shop and I just thought it was another one of those Jean-Claude Van Damme films like Bloodsport or one of those. Mm-hmm. How wrong I was. When I started watching it, I thought, "All oh, right,
1: it's going to be a sort of slightly rubbish 80s film, really, really corny. But it is absolutely incredible to yep. watch right from the start. I mean, yeah. because they've got a lot of the actors are primarily... Martial artists. Yes, and the script is the first ever script <laughs> <this guy laughs> written. It, the scenes are. I mean, there's like phenomenal exposition. There's so it starts off in a dojo in I can't remember where they are the first place.
0: They're in Los Angeles. Or
1: Los Angeles, where it's called Stillwell's. Dad's called Ken. Steelwell's. Yeah, Mr. Stillwell. Yeah, Stillwell's yep. running a dojo, a bit like the one in the Karate Kid, and mm. everyone is doing karate moves. And then his son, for no reason, in a normal sort of playful karate bit, kicks someone in the head and he gets told to get changed. Then then, yeah. then it suddenly changes where Rolls Royce turns up. Some <laughs> <laughs> weird hammy villain
0: with John Claude yep. Van Damme and another bad guy. The other bad guy really looked like a sort of 80s Al Pacino. Yeah, had that really neatly trimmed beard. He just looked like that. But yeah, there's Van Damme. There's a slimy man. Um, And they're clearly from the mob because they look like the mob Mm. and they want the gym. They want Stillwell's gym. For some reason, their plan is to take over all the karate gyms throughout the United States. I'm not really sure why. Is that the mob are planning to overthrow the whole country by karate? I'm not really sure. I love that,
1: that you just go, we're going to take over all the karate gyms and use that as a front for something. But we're yeah. not going. We're not ever going to tell you why that is. Surely no. we do casinos or shops, places where you could make lots of money. But no, we're doing yep. k-
0: karate. karate.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Stilwell's not having it. He refuses to give up his gym to these New York big shots. Good for him. Absolutely, yeah. So they say, right, we'll have a fight then. But Stilwell, he refuses to fight. He says that karate shouldn't be used aggressively.
1: Well, like a true great karate teacher.
0: But then he says, well, if I've got no other choice. So he goes at it. He takes care of Al Pacino very easily. But then this other man, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Ivan the Russian, he's he's another matter. He's very good. He's very good at the karate. He's also very good at gurning. Jean-Claude Van Damme's evil
1: villain faces are fantastic in this.
0: They really are. They go from kind of constipated to... Not so constipated. It's fantastic.
1: It's great seeing him. We sort of remember John claude Van Damme as some sort of, one well now as some sort of weird broken man doing beer adverts. But he was the hero mm. of a lot of the martial arts films. So it's great seeing him in a minor role as the real sort of villain. It's a real change yeah. for me for what I've, I've seen him in. Um, I love that. I mean, what I think I read about the film afterwards was in this particular scene, a lot of the actors, uh, the guy who played Ken Stilwell, I think, was really pissed off with John claude Van Damme because he basically injured several of the actors and gave them concussion because he wasn't able to control. He just kept hitting them, didn't he? Yeah. (laughs) But it's great that he did that and he would just
0: properly go for it. (laughs) Kick the shit out of everyone. And you can see in some of the later fight scenes when he's fighting against... Um, oh, I can't remember his name, but it's it's the guy who's the best fighter in the gym. He's called Keith or something. Ian, his is um, Ian. You can Ian. tell he's really... Oh, not Ian. Yeah, there is Ian. We'll get to Ian. Um, but when he's fighting the other one, he's called Keith or Kevin, who's the big black guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. He really gives him a proper pummeling. You can see the, the fists going mm. in and stuff. But, yeah, but he, he doesn't hold back with Mr. Stilwell either, and he breaks his leg. Poor Ken Stilwell. So Jason tries to help his dad, but his dad again says, well, fighting's not the answer. To which Jason says, well, what is the answer? And I thought, well, phone the police. Well, the, di- the police were different in-, in
1: those days, weren't they? Well, actually, they haven't got a good reputation now. <laughs> Saying that.
0: No, I so- slightly better <laughs> in those days.
1: <laughs> you watch that first scene, and you just think, this is going to be incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I a- When I watched this at 11 or 12 years old, I thought it was brilliant. There was no sense in my mm. mind that it was really, really corny and the scenes were so contrived Uh, watching it now i thought it was was amazing so they relocate to seattle
0: they do and we know it's seattle because they drive past the space needle then they drive past a big road sign that says welcome to seattle then they drive past the space needle again and then we get a title card that says seattle (laughs) so i thought oh they're in seattle
1: it's good it's good signposting (laughs) yeah it's fantastic he makes the quickest friendship I've ever seen. I mean, people are f- very friendly in Seattle. Because mm. immediately after he arrives, sets up his gym in his dad's garage, he's totally in with all the main characters in the local neighbourhood.
0: Absolutely. Especially RJ, his new best friend. I mean, RJ in... Who is yeah, incredible. So this
1: guy called RJ comes along. <laughs> he's sort of... A, a, a bit like michael jackson like a young sort of michael jackson cool that's way he's trying to sort of model on I, I suppose yeah um and
0: they do you want to say what happens you introduce rj well yeah. Well, rj sort of rolls up on his bike it's like he's got like a rally chopper with a ghetto blaster tied to the front he finds a baseball on the floor he sort of kicks it up does a bit of keep you up and catches it there's a massive grin and goes hey nice moves in this really cheesy way, it's it's like he's auditioning for a like a chewing gum advert or something. It's amazing.
1: I mean, RJ's like that all the way through, he's relentlessly positive. I mean, his performance is like someone who's overdosed on antidepressants, <laughs> just pleased to be doing anything. You could just give him yeah. like a just chuck a bit of meat on the floor in terms of stare at, it and he'd be happy. He'd be elated
0: to yeah. do anything at all. Interestingly. I don't think he's done any other acting except he was in one of those breakdance movies of the mid-80s, well, which comes as no surprise. But he didn't do any other performances. I other looked at
1: quite a lot of the actors afterwards an IMDb and for a lot of them it was their only film. Or they did this and... They were in another sort of martial arts film A couple of other, as a sort of minor role. Yeah. So RJ becomes friends with Jace. They instantly become friends. It's like love at first sight. Oh, certainly and it. then they go, to, they go to the garage and then <laughs> RJ <laughs> shows Jace's dance moves. And the sound, it's just, you could probably just have the sound in this film and it would make a great radio drama because <laughs> all the sounds, every time a bad guy walks in, there's an equivalent of a dun-dun-dun, but with slight 80s music. Every emotion is just totally it's signposted with music. It's brilliant. Yeah. RJ yeah. does a dance for Jace, and then they encounter this very odd, overweight guy called Scott who lives across the street who's got yeah. a problem with RJ.
0: Yeah. He's like a character from Porky's, isn't he? There's another one that doesn't yeah. really belong in this film.
1: Well, I read that Scott basically was trying to beat up RJ the whole time. Yeah. And the reason was... Before the actual edit, there was another scene where in the school or some sort of classroom, R.J. accidentally tripped up Scott, this sort of fat, angry bloke. Uh. But that's cut from the film. So it looks as though Scott has got some weird vendetta against R.J. And because R.J. is pretty much the only word, there's a, one about two black people in the film... It comes across, it looks like the sky is a massive... He's a racist. ...in the current climate. He's a huge racist, because it's not explained why he hates RJ.
0: That's what I thought, because later on, when he's eating about ten burgers in a burger bar, some of his friends said to him, well, why do you hate that guy so much? And he just says, I have my reasons. And I just thought, oh, yeah, so you think racist. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) They could have easily dubbed over in this film, oh, he tripped me up in the cafe, but no... They yep. left it. <laughs> they yeah. left that. Huge... Interestingly,
0: that's the only thing that's not
1: overly explained. Yeah. Well, that <laughs> and the fact that the the crime laws are taking over the dojo.
0: <laughs> <Don't> go... <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, I I did like RJ's rap in the garage as well. It is incredible. Ah, oh, that it. <laughs> I can
1: do with it. What's this? Well, I dance a bit, and now I'm really quick. I rock to the beat so viciously. While you go imitating, Bruce Lee. I like to feel my highs, I like to feel my lows. Why you rock, 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 try to kick with your toes? I'll do it for you now, and I'll show you how. I rock to the beat, so watch my feet. Alright. all right. Well, I've tried to make bad music, and I thought, oh, that's not very good. And then I realised that's not actually as bad as the rap in the... Every time in this film, there's always something surprising in it. So you've got the fight at the start, and then you've got this weird recovery scene we've not even talked about, where Ken Steelwell, Jace's dad, just thinks. Imagine he, he's just he's just lying in the hospital bed with a voice of him thinking, explaining what's yeah. happening in the film. <laughs> yeah. Then RJ starts rapping. Later on, you've got you know characters introduced from out of nowhere. Yeah. It's
0: constant. I, I mean, you're never bored. No, absolutely not. The story changes about every 10 minutes. You think, oh, it's about this. No, it's not. It's about that. Well, actually, it's about this. Oh, what happened to that? Oh, don't worry about that. Even though it's people
1: beating the shit out of each other, it has this sort of 80s hope to it Mm, and naivety. Like you said with RJ, he's acting as though he's in a bubblegum advert all the way through. They're all acting a little bit like extreme versions, (laughs) so you can't really take them seriously as characters. No. But, but despite that, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, what, I enjoyed the hope of it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a very optimistic film. It, it's a, I suppose it's about good conquering evil. I, I just think that the, the first-time screenwriter had seen Karate Kid and Rocky IV and thought, oh, we could do something with those. And maybe if we include the mafia taking over every karate gym in the United States, then we've got a that's our story. That's the thing that those films didn't have. Hmm. and he was right.
1: I think so. I mean, he was rewriting it each night, apparently, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> trying to make it better. You watch this film, and immediately you want to know what happened to all the actors in it. You want to yep. know what, how it got made. Yes. W- what was the process of making it? And he was just rewriting it every night, trying to make
0: it better. <laughs> the script's better. <laughs> I mean, it felt to me like it was written by an eight-year-old who's writing a story, and then they go, oh, that's the end. And someone goes, well, what happens next? And so they go, oh, well, aliens come down then. And they say, well, what happened next? Oh, then a train crashes through the living room. What about next? Most films, or whatever, you know, they they tend to follow a three-act structure. This has got about nine acts, because everything changes all the time. It's perfect for the modern generation.
1: Our attention spans have become so uh, shortened by technology that this film is coming. (laughs) <laughs> One day this film will be seen as genius. Yeah. This is the perfect. It's got cultural it's significance. significance. <laughs> so RJ and Jace are best mates now. Yep. They've had an encounter with Scott who's tried to um, chase RJ about. I mean, do you want to say, what, should we go to the dojo bit? Or do you want to talk yeah, about well,
0: because well, cause Scott then chases RJ around on a skateboard and there's some some nifty skateboard jumps that happen which, again, just feels a bit 1981. It doesn't feel 1986. And then I suppose we get the first kind of significant bit where R.J. takes Jason to Bruce Lee's grave at Lakeview of Cemetery. Of course, yeah. yes. Where Jason asks Sensei Lee for guidance and courage.
1: Yeah. I didn't know that Bruce Lee died so young. 33, I think he was, when he died. Something like that it was crazy. I just read the Wikipedia page, like, you know. Oh, yes, <laughs> here, yeah yeah. I think he go to the library and it was quite depressing that you you think that he was on obviously taking quite a lot of painkillers at mm. 33 so he must have really knackered himself up doing punching that wooden man all day long but I didn't realize he did so he was so young when he died but um yeah so uh they visit the grave, Jace asks for inspiration and they go home again. And they, I think, I can't remember what happens next. I only watched it yesterday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a bit of a scuffle outside the burger bar because Scott strikes again. He tries to get RJ, but Jason rescues him with his karate um, and he's ready to fight the gang, mainly spurred on because RJ shouts the title of the film at him. Mm. He shouts, no retreat, no surrender. And then when Jason gets home, dad tells him off for fighting because, as we know, fighting is not the answer. Uh,
1: Jason's dad changes from being a karate teacher right at the start to a whimpering wreck. He does. After that, <laughs> after he had his yeah. broken leg, <laughs> uh, who hates fighting. Only about two weeks ago, you were running a karate school, mate. And now you're, yeah. you made your living off karate. And now you don't even want anything to do with it. Crazy. Yeah,
0: but I, I, I'm guessing that maybe that attitude is is going to change somewhere in the film. I'm not sure. There's something telling me that him constantly saying fighting is not the answer. I think that mm. there may come a point where you need to. But then we cut to the title fight in Reno, where we get some wonderful cuts between sort of library footage of Madison Square Garden Two actors sort of just waving their arms around in a dark room. So it's clearly not his own bloke. Yeah. This is
1: TV footage of the sort of karate national championships that uh, Jason and and RJ are watching on TV. Um, And the winner is Ian. I mean, it's great. (laughs) (laughs) He's got the hardest bloke in the film. Well, one of them. And he's called Ian. Fantastic (laughs) name.
0: No, I think he is probably my favourite actor in the whole film after RJ because he is terrible. I love him. He looks like one of those
1: 1980s swimmers because he's quite—he's very hairy. Hairy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is one thing about this film. There's just a lot more hair <laughs> in general. There's a, just a lot more hair that everyone since has just started cutting. You don't realise the grooming that has
0: taken place in terms of hairstyles and male grooming. There's quite a lot of chest here going on. But the the actor who plays Ian, whose, whose name I did write down, but it's on another page, he was trained by Chuck Norris, no less. I did find that out. Oh. Yeah. I'm not sure if that was in karate or acting. Maybe a little combination of both. Maybe Chuck Norris is acting in Karate Academy. Um, but he wins, and he's given... The biggest trophy I think I've ever seen in my life. It's actually taller than him. And he sort of carries it round with him everywhere. It's great.
1: Well, until later on, he gives it away as a birthday <laughs> present. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, we come to that bit in a minute. Yeah, but it's still not the worst birthday present she gets, which we'll come to. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> but the fact...
1: You you win an award. Oh, here's my um, here's my math prize award. Happy birthday! Yeah, oh, i got someone has <laughs> got someone else's name on it. Yeah. There you I'll go, give you mate. Giant
0: trophy with the name Ian on it. It's brilliant. Here's my cycling proficiency certificate. <laughs> oh, happy birthday!
1: <laughs> it's it's someone else's massive trophy that's going to take up. Half of whole <laughs>
0: room. It is about six foot high as well. It's amazing. But that's when they say, hey, Ian's got a dojo right here in Seattle, which is lucky.
1: Mm.
0: So Jason goes to join. And um, he meets Dean, who seems to be like the two I see. He's kind of like the supervisor when, when Ian's not there. Yeah. So he takes him into the class. Uh, before that,
1: can we just say how weird it is? <laughs> how weird is that RJ and Jace go to this dojo? Yes. RJ... Just follows Jason to the changing rooms, sits there. RJ's not even doing karate. (laughs) No. Imagine if you go going to the karate and your mate... He's only known him a couple of days. He's like, yeah, I don't want to do it. I'll just come and sit next to you while you get changed in changing
0: rooms. So, so son, what do you do with RJ? Well, he he comes and watches me get changed. Oh, the other day he took me to the cemetery. (laughs) (laughs) RJ, he came round...
1: He did a rapping and some brick dancing. Took me to broke s- some shelves. Broke some shelves. <laughs> took me to the cemetery and watched me get changed. <laughs> yeah, he's my best man. We
0: all could do with a friend like that, really, couldn't we?
1: It's amazing what you can do with if you just smile all the time and act really happy. Yeah. It, without that, it's, if it was totally different, RJ would be one of the
0: creepiest best friends. <laughs> But because he's so positive, he can just—it opens doors. It really does, changing people. If He replaced yeah. RJ with an old man, vest <laughs> and pants in a raincoat, yeah.
1: <laughs> very, very different. Yeah. Anyway, back at the
0: dojo, yeah, back at the dojo, yeah, back at Ian's dojo, they see that Big Scott is also a member of the gym, and he, because he wants to get back at RJ and Jason by association, he tells Dean that Jason. Said that Seattle karate's not as good as Los Angeles karate, or something.
1: That that is it. That is the excuse. Someone saying, "All <laughs> oh, right, it's not as good as uh, <laughs> it's not as good as Los Angeles karate." Right, we're going to put you in the middle of the room, and we're going to get our best karate person to just continue beating the shit at you over and over again, while
0: everyone laughs yeah. and cheers. All right. Yeah. <laughs> He won't have anyone bad mouthing his beloved Seattle Karate. He's not having it. Phenomenal, irresponsible, basically assault. Yeah, he just <laughs> kicks the bollocks off him, basically. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, Jason and RJ do the understandable thing. They just run away. They just leg it, and then we're at the birthday party that we mentioned earlier. It's Kelly's birthday party. A kind of other character that we've never
1: met before. It comes in just like that. They run away from this dojo where it's probably illegal to do that any dojo, and then suddenly on screen. Happy birthday, signs come up. <laughs> party here. Yeah, we're at a pool party. And then you introduce this character called Kelly. It's assumed that we know her, but shes ne- you said she's never yeah, appeared. Because Jason certainly knows her. They act like old friends, but we've never seen her before. Mm. This must be several
0: weeks later on into the um, timeline that's not explained. Dean nasty Dean he's got designs on Kelly because he says that she'll be putty in his arms which I don't think is actually an expression have we mentioned that Dean is yeah like the supervisor of the dojo who's Scott's friend
1: I don't understand Scott who is the fat bully across the road is the most repulsive human being how is it that all these people are his friends when all he does is eat with food across his face and act like a total asshole? and yet for some reason
0: they're mates with him all these cool athletic some would say handsome karate guys and they're just his best friend they're hanging on his every word yeah. I mean it's kind of alluded to that he buys everybody burgers so maybe he just buys friendship I don't know well, it must have been pretty good burgers yeah they looked alright so yeah it's a pool party and because it's a pool party Jason turns up sort of dressed like a chartered accountant he's in his shirt and tie that is Jason's going out <laughs>
1: It's phenomenal. Yeah.
0: Everyone's normal, and Jason
1: yeah. is going literally a businessman going to work with a tie, chinos,
0: smart shirt tie, yeah. red tie. What, what's going on? He's, he's like a junior clerk at the local law firm, and it's, it's a pool party, Jason. So, <laughs> so come dress appropriately. But then Ian turns up. Turns out he's Kelly's brother. And luckily, he's got the birthday gift that we mentioned earlier, which is the, massive trophy. the giant trophy with his name on it.
1: Uh, but before that, you've got to say that Dean tries to come on to Kelly. Yes. He says one of the greatest lines in the film, which is, don't fight it, it's bigger than the both of us. It's great. <laughs> is it Ian's trophy they're talking about? Yeah. This is what you should do in the 80s. If you're trying to kiss a girl and she doesn't want to kiss you, just say, don't fight it, it's bigger than the both of us. One of most sinister lines. <laughs> Different times. Yeah, oh, trying to make out there were bigger <laughs> forces. It's God's will. <laughs>
0: <laughs> really sinister. It's unbelievable. But then Jason, as he turns up, and, and he and Kelly, they do appear to know each other, not really sure how. Um, and then he gives her uh, possibly the only gift that's not as good as Ian's giant trophy, which is a live rabbit. So
1: you see Jason give a present to uh, Kelly. <laughs> And you thinking, what can it be in this? And there's sort of quite a long lingering shot on this wrapping paper. Yeah. And it's great. So I was thinking, what is it? What could he give her that's romantic? And at no point did I think it would be a tiny rabbit with a red bow round <laughs> it that had been I mean, put in, wrapped up in a box where I'm surprised yeah. it survived. <laughs>
0: It's so weird. That's why the box was so big. That was the one that survived. Of course. You didn't look in the rest of the box. Yeah, Ate dead ra- half-eaten rabbits in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then Ian gets a mysterious phone call from our friends at the mob, and they say that if you want to keep your business, you'll be at your dojo in half an hour. So he goes alone. He doesn't take... The two dozen karate experts that he's got in the house at the time with him after receiving a threatening having phone call.
1: They're having a party. They're having a party. Oh, I yes. Sorry. Dragged him away
0: from that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Silly me. But So he goes alone. But in the meantime, Jason again gets the shit kicked out of him by Dean. And I think Scott joins in at one point as well. They're throwing food at him and giving him a right old pasting.
1: Once Jason has bought uh, Kelly this rabbit, you're going to start kissing because there's nothing more. It's like catnip, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You buy a girl a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> that was the way, back in the 80s, at school disco. He got me a rabbit there, so I couldn't say no. That's the way. Um, <laughs> no.
0: What, what, what can you
1: do? So Dean sees him kissing and then decides, in a fit of jealousy, to beat up Jason in his
0: businessman's suit. Rips a sleeve, not very nice. Yeah. And as he's storming out, understandably upset, Kelly apologises to him. And I think, for what? She didn't do anything, Mm. but he blames her anyway, so he's a bit of a prick too. I mean, he's still quite
1: positive, Jason, because he's come to a new area. He's been beaten up at the local dojo and chased out, and now he's just been beaten up Mm. at the birthday party, had his clothes ripped. So I can understand that he's feeling quite emotional.
0: Yeah, Um, and we know he's emotional because he drives away in fury, and then we get a memory flashback of the fight that literally happened about 10 seconds ago, just in case we'd forgotten why he was so angry.
1: Well, I think that's very accurate, (laughs) because that's what you do, and when something bad happens, you think about it over and over again in your head. So, in many ways, modern films don't do that. What they were doing in No Trick, No Surrender was ahead of its time, because you're replaying these events over
0: and over again. I suppose, seeing as he was, roundhouse kicked in the head. Maybe his memory is shot a little bit, and that's the last thing he can remember. You know, a bit like Memento. So you probably know more about that than me anyway. This is actually a prequel to Memento, (laughs) (laughs) Or sequel. Yeah. See what I did there. In his frustration, he goes back to Bruce Lee's grave and he asks him again for help. And he sort of says, show me a sign. And nothing happens, quite understandably, because he's dead. Doesn't
1: his dad kick um, him out then for... Whip his gym apart as well, his dojo?
0: He does, yeah. After his dad sees him beaten up. He goes into the Jason's karate shed and says, Right, that's it, you shouldn't fight. So he chucks all his karate paraphernalia out into the street.
1: Luckily, Jason has got the greatest friend ever in R J, who knows a yep. house. Not only is RJ taken to a cemetery, watch him get chased, <laughs> he knows a disused house somewhere. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> where you can go and sleep. Yeah. yeah. And Jason sets up his new dojo there. And it's yes, just, like a sort of squatter's dojo. Yeah. yeah. And just when you think in a film, all right, I know where the root of this
0: film, you know, what's happening in the film. Another incredible thing happens. I, I can only say I never in a million years would have seen this coming. It's amazing.
1: Totally out of context with anything that's happened in
0: the film so far. Yeah. <laughs> would you like to share with us So You can tell tell me your, what, what happens. Okay. So Jason has dozed off, obviously exhausted after a, a long, hard day of being beaten up and moving all his stuff into RJ's empty house. He wakes up. We hear some almost John Carpenter-style synth music. There's a bright light, and Jason is visited by the ghost of Bruce Lee. He doesn't look anything like Bruce Lee. <laughs> he doesn't look a thing like Bruce Lee. He do- Lucky for us, Jason kind of checks his Bruce Lee poster, turns around and goes... Is that you, Bruce Lee? Jason's reaction is
1: when a bright light appears and a man walks out of some from some other world into his dojo. He's not surprised enough no. <laughs> Or scared. He goes, Who are you? I mean his dojo's got <laughs> posters of Bruce Lee everywhere. He reads Bruce Lee's book yeah surely if bruce lee appears you go all right it's bruce lee that's the face you've been looking at for the last three hours while you've been hitting a wooden post
0: (laughs) bruce lee's his absolute hero even if he was alive he would have gone crazy but the fact that he's dead and turned up anyway yeah he just kind of goes oh hello
1: and what's great about this is that the actor who played bruce lee and doesn't look like bruce lee is also dubbed over yes so in the filming he was speaking in i don't know if he was whereabouts he was from and they were dubbed over afterwards so not only yeah. he got something he doesn't look like bruce lee he's not even saying that. not even he's not even talking so he doesn't sound like him and he doesn't look like him and he's a total arsehole.
0: Ter- he just keeps clipping him around the ear like Manuel. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, just constantly getting him to hit him, missing them hitting him back around the head.
0: <laughs> but here's a bit of trivia, because I like to do a bit of trivia. The actor who plays the ghost of Bruce Lee in this was also in Game of Death, which is a famous martial arts film that was written, starred and directed by Bruce Lee. It's a film that Bruce Lee died while making. Oh, wow. And he gets to play the raised dead Bruce Lee. Mm. Interesting.
1: I mean, there's a lot of good trivia about this. Um, oh, yes.
0: The tasks that
1: ghost Bruce Lee sets in horrific... Life. Imagine this, uh, listeners. You have to put one of your legs in a noose, which is about waist height, and then yep. you've got to jump with the other leg off the ground and kick... A suspended bag which is above your head. And they actually made him do it in real life and he said he couldn't do it and he eventually
0: did did it. They made the actor do it. There's one thing that's been missing from this film and luckily there's about four of them coming up and that's training montages. Mm. And they are all great. We get one where he's jogging around in some lovely bright yellow leggings. He's doing some press-ups on a picnic table. We see him getting knocked about by some swinging sandbags. RJ's watching him train through the window and doing this kind of giggling kind of thing while he's watching
1: <laughs> in one of the training montages which there are seem to be several as he, he progresses incredible training montage scenes which is where jason i've never seen the training before so imagine there's a climbing frame and there's the back of a bench and he lays with his head on the back of the bench and the bottom of his feet on the climbing frame so there's nothing underneath him and he's yeah. just doing sort of stomach crunches R.J. comes and sits on him. It's so dangerous. And then later on, he does this thing where he's doing his <laughs> stomach crunches. R.J. is sitting on his groin while he's pumping his stomach up, eating an ice cream. He's sucking a it shock ice. So yeah. me- <laughs> yeah. It is so, I don't even know. I mean, it's not really sort of homoerotic. It's just sort of like, this is me It's insane. Absolutely yeah. To eat an ice cream is physically dangerous. <laughs> great though but I I thought I've never seen or will never see a a montage sequence like this
0: incredible and the music is great It's, it's a really good kind of almost Kenny Loggins song telling us to reach for the power from within so the message is really there you can do it and as, as he goes along in his montages, he's getting better. He starts off doing press-ups on the, the picnic table with, like, two hands. And by the end of it, he's using one finger on the picnic <laughs> table. He managed to outrun RJ on his rally chopper. So he's, he's getting stronger, very much like the Rocky training montages. He's getting better and better and better. And then, you know, he finally does manage to do the, that holdy-leggy noose somersault kick. And I think that's it. You know, but Once he's done that, that's it. Bruce Lee's work here is done. So I suppose a bit like sort of Mary Poppins. Now he's no longer needed. He's gone. He disappears. Doesn't even say goodbye. Just goes. No, he just, he's just gone. Yeah. After all that, he's just gone. But meanwhile, we're back with dad, Ken Stilwell, who seems to be working as a waiter in a cocktail bar. As, as you said before, he's, he's now this sort of withering flower. And he's getting a lot of abuse from, from a rowdy customer because fighting's not the answer even though someone's throwing beer on you and pushing you around and being generally rude and calling you Karate Man. But he finally snaps and throws him out into the street.
1: Yeah, why not just kick the shit out of this bloke before? Oh,
0: God, yeah. I mean, he he was still
1: really good at karate. He could absolutely s- smash this bloke. But there were other people in the bar, and
0: surely they'd have gone, look, mate, just just stop that, just, just leave it.
1: The behaviour, the fact that you would say to a barman, bring my drink over here, bring it over here, Karate Man, then pour it over their head, and then somehow... That's acceptable in the box. No one says, <laughs> right, stop being R. Uh, that's really much, mate. <laughs> and the fact that he doesn't go,
0: right, I think your bar'd never come here again. Yeah. He just. Uh... He doesn't even say, can you not do that, please? He just sort of stands there and goes, thank you, sir. That's, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Crazy. But he does finally snap and throw him out. But he comes back. He comes back with his chubby friends, and they're all carrying like giant wrenches and things like that, really enormous tools. Um, and they're going to teach Karate Man some manners. So they start giving him a pasting. He's still not fighting back. Um, but luckily, Jason turns up and he kicks their large asses and chases them all away. And this is where Dad finally realises. He says, oh, I've been such a fool. I suppose it's a bit Coward of the County. You know, he's realised that sometimes you've got to fight when you're a man. He appreciates that now, and Jason has taught him. It's a
1: hugely traumatic scene where you'd see your dad get beaten up by six blokes, <laughs> one of which is holding a wrench. You beat them all up again. Your dad's got a quite a so severe facial, blood bloody face. And at the end of it, it's not like, are you OK, Dad? There's no sense of trauma. It's like, all right, my mum's cooking dinner. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Fish fingers for tea. It's pretty much that, yeah. Well, I wonder if we're having chips or... I mean, yeah, let's go and do that. <laughs> this, the recovery, psychologically, was in, so quick.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe they were in shock still. He, well, maybe they were. I'd imagine when they were eating mum's tea, he probably just sort of broke down and kind of... Oh, <laughs> <God."> <laughs> <laughs> Crying over the fish fingers or whatever, yeah. but uh, But then, I don't know if it's a celebration, but RJ takes Jason to a body-popping club from the past... It's sort of a very early 80s, almost like Tick and Tock or the Rocksteady Crew kind of body popping going on. RJ's dressed like Michael mm-hmm. Jackson. Jason, again, has is, is gone dressed as as a junior from Coopers. Mm-hmm. But Kelly's there. But she and Jason still aren't talking after the whole birthday party thing. So RJ gets the room going with his moves. And then the DJ puts on Almost like a a smoochy, careless whisper song, so Jason and Kelly can get off with each other, effectively. So the whole thing was a setup just to get those two back together.
1: Yeah, they get tricked onto the dance floor, and they face Mm. each other, and even though they haven't been speaking, the fact they're just standing opposite each other makes them realise they're in love. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's pretty much how it works.
0: Yeah. When you put a slow song on, that's the law. Whoever you're you're facing, then you have to dance with them, particularly if they've bought you a rabbit. I mean, imagine if he was holding a rabbit at that time,
1: she would have gone. Jesus Christ, he'd have been fighting them off with a stick, wouldn't he? (laughs) The businessman and his rabbit. Um, I'm glad they're back together.
0: And so you think, well, that's it then. The story must be over because Jason's dad has learned the errors of his ways, and sometimes fighting is okay if you're fighting to defend yourself. Jason's back with Kelly, so that's it. But then, of course, we've forgotten the mob. They're back. And they just just sort of casually mention that that Ian wants to settle this whole dojo business with a big team fight, with kind of extensive TV and radio coverage. Because that's how the mob forcibly take over gyms, isn't it? They love that publicity. They love to be on telly when they're stealing your gym. And of course,
1: it's whoever wins the fight wins the dojo, you know. Didn't they say that?
0: They do, yeah. yeah. That's the way business was done. That's right. It's winner takes all. That's how the mafia work. They don't just come in and take your business. They say, all right, we'll have a fight. If you win, we'll just leave let's, you alone. Let's
1: have a fight with three rounds, and then whoever wins can have the um, <laughs> have the dojo, which we were going to use to do God knows what with, make massive trophies.
0: <laughs> so we're straight into it. There's a big sports hall. There's judges, TV, about a hundred spectators. Then we see Ian's crew getting ready. So he's picked his best fighters. There's him. Nasty Dean and then Frank, who was the guy who kicked the shit out of Jason earlier. So he's got his best team on it. So it, it all gets a little bit Saturday afternoon wrestling. It's very Giant Haystacks because everybody's booing the Manhattan team and they're shaking their fists at the crowd. And the slimy mob man pushes the announcer out of the way and grabs hold of the mic and says, right, we're changing the rules. We've just got one fighter. Which So they, they did have three fighters lined up, but no, it's just Jean-Claude Van Damme. Remember him? He's back and he's going to take them all on one after the other. And Jason recognises him immediately, which we know because we get another flashback of him in the gym breaking his dad's leg. When the ref comes in, can we talk about his hair? Is it a wig? It's Michael Fabricant, isn't it? It's phenomenal. I think everyone who watches this film will be
1: looking... It's when you see a sort of slightly out of shape, surprisingly tall man, but with a a luscious head of blonde hair. (laughs) Slightly too low on his forehead. You're tr- yeah. I was trying to work out whether it was a wig or not, but the footage isn't clear enough for me to see. I, initially, I thought it was a wig, and then I thought, actually, I don't know.
0: I thought it looked so much like a wig, it probably isn't. Yes, exactly. But I did also think it looked like you doing your Boris Johnson impersonations.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was incredible how many announcers get pushed off, referees <laughs> get <Yeah>. pushed <laughs> off. Yeah. This is basically every single fight, culmination, ending. It's a cross between Rocky and Karate Kid. But with Jean-Claude Van Damme... I have to say, the fight sequences are really pretty good.
0: Yeah, they're very well choreographed. And very quick, because Jean-Claude Van Damme... First of all, he fights Dean. And within about three seconds, just kicks him out of the ring. Then Frank, the best fighter, he gets the right pasting as well. So that's 2-0. So you think, well, Manhattan have won. But because the Mafia are... They're flexible and they're fair... They say, tell you what, we'll just play next one's the winner instead. Which seems very fair. I wouldn't mind doing business with them if if that's Mm. the way that they operate. I mean, incredible that they've decided to do that when they've already won the dojo. Just put it all on the line for no reason. I mean, bearing in mind when they were in Los Angeles, all they did was just break his leg and say, right, the gym belongs to us then. They, They seem to have made a hell of a lot of effort with this one in Seattle. So we get the final fight, winner takes all, and it's Ivan versus Ian. And Ian's a bit more of a challenge, because he knows his stuff. You can always tell if they're good,
1: because they get to hit John claude Van Dam back, whereas the yeah, first two right. don't actually get a punch in. Because they've got to try and make the levels go up for a big, sort of good fight. So the first two aren't going to get one even, one punch. they just get completely annihilated, pretty much. Ian manages to get two or three before he gets wrapped up in the ropes and he oh, gets strangled with a chain first of all
0: well, it first of all he kicks the ref out of the ring and surely that's disqualification because there are some judges there yeah but no and TV crews and radio crews absolutely <laughs> who would have all seen it but he gets the chain from the corner of the ring and ties it round Ian's neck and batters him he even keeps going when Scott bites his leg so it looks like Ian's gonna die. No one in the room, 150 people, does anything to really stop him. No, they're just, they're just watching. Nobody, nobody gets it. The only ones that try and stop him are, are Scott and then Kelly joins in. But that's the last straw because he, he manhandles Kelly, he pushes her away. And this is when Jason springs into action. And he's channeling that intensity that he learned from Bruce Lee's resurrected corpse. And he smacks jean Claude Van Damme about a bit, and John Claude Van Damme kind of goes, "Oh, you are a better fighter, son," or something like that. So he remembers him. He says, "You're
1: good," or something, doesn't he? You're yeah, good. Yeah. It's a great. there's several flashbacks, and it's just the classic sequence of people remembering moves they've done in their dojo at home, and by some fluke, they are the perfect <laughs> move <laughs> in the fight that happens several weeks yeah. later. <laughs> yeah. Good job. We filmed this move. Because that's the one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can tell they're serious about the karate because they start doing that beckoning thing that they always use in The Matrix, where they kind of just do a lot of that, Mm. which for the purposes of our listeners was me doing that beckoning thing that they did in The Matrix.
1: Putting your hand out and just
0: gently summoning me towards you. Tickling the tummy of an invisible horse. It's a bit like that, isn't it? it? Yeah, that move. So Jean-Claude Van Damme realises that the only way he can win is by playing dirty. So he hits Jason with a cushion, one of those big cushions off the corner. He smacks him with that then he ties him to the ropes to finish him off, so to speak. So it looks like Jason's going to lose or, or maybe even get killed because nobody's helping him, not even Ian is helping him out. He's on the ropes in a bit of a chokehold. But luckily, RJ to the rescue. And he shouts out the title of the film again for no real apparent reason. Maybe he's just looking at the top of the script or something, I don't know. But this spurs Jason on a bit. He sort of fights back. But, oh dear, Jean-Claude Van Damme's got his leg, just like he did with his dad. Mm. And if only Jason had learnt some really hard technique for getting out of a situation like this. Yes. So we see a flashback, and we realise he has. He does a big backflip and kicks Jean-Claude Van Damme in the chops, and he's the winner. Jean-Claude Van Damme's counting out.
1: It's useful for the listeners to know, if anyone ever has your leg locked on their shoulder, and they've got your leg with both arms, and they're about to break your leg, all you need to do is flip over backwards backwards, and use your body weight and your other foot to kick them in the head. That is the standard way out of that manoeuvre. So I hope if we've just saved one life by someone listening
0: to that today, (laughs) this podcast has a a reason. We have provided a good service, I think, yeah. You're welcome, listeners, you're welcome. But because of that, Jason is the winner. And so the Mafia, realising that there are centuries of intimidation and extortion, they're no match for this. So they walk out and immediately abandon their plans for taking over every dojo in America. That's it. They're done. It was a fool's errand. And
1: Jason's thrown into the air by the loving crowd.
0: Yeah. And interestingly, Scott and Dean don't get their comeuppance for the way that they treated him, which you'd kind of expect. I know Dean gets the shit kicked out of him, but not by Jason. So it's a sort of unusual ending in that regard in that the, the baddies don't get what's coming to them.
1: I'd love to know what scenes got cut, if this was the, the final ending, mm. if there were the sort of explanation scenes.
0: Yeah. But, yeah.
1: I mean, it's an adequate ending of him being thrown to the yeah, air. You can't really end any other point other than that, I
0: think. Oh, no, absolutely. It's it's the victory thing which you need, which is great. And you're right, they they, they chuck him around a bit and, and the film ends with that reach from within song again. So we know it's it's very, very triumphant. So I'm going to ask you, Marek Larwood? Yeah. Is no retreat, no surrender still any good? Not only is it still any good,
1: it's even better than I could ever imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You start off watching it and you think, this is rubbish. And then you think, this is incredibly bad. This is so incredibly yep. bad. It's an incredibly bad, great film, I thought. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's And I was watching it, Quite hungover by myself and I thought I think if you 're with mates watching this with a few beers it is a brilliant bad film to watch i can 't believe it 's not more it is quite a cult film when I talk to people about it no one says you must watch no Retreat, no surrender it 's so hilarious, yep, it should have a bigger cult status than it 's got. I think it 's incredible,
0: yeah, yeah, what did you think I agree it 's clearly not a good film. everything about it is wrong. The performances are bad. The script is is all over the place. It even feels like everything's sort of five years too late because, like we said, it's got very early appalling rapping. It's got body popping, skateboarding, all of this kind of stuff which would have been great in about 1980. But because it's made in 1986, it just feels really, really late. Like we said about the performances, the, the one thing it reminded me of was Escape to Victory where they chose real sports people rather than actors for most of the roles. Mm. They've clearly done it with this as well, where they've got real fighters in rather than actors. But the martial arts fighters don't seem to be as good at acting as people from Ipswich Town. No. <laughs> they're, they're just not as good. <laughs> they're given quite hard roles to do. They're given yeah.
1: quite. It's quite challenging. Yeah. Being some dad who's been beaten up and then worried about his son. You know, it's all quite emotionally charged scenes rather than in the script it doesn't allow for any sort of subtlety
0: yeah but having said all of that that it's, it's clearly not a good film I wasn't bored for a single second and I enjoyed all of it I've never seen anything like it I thought it was incredible listeners watch it if you don't like martial arts films that probably helps because it's just hilarious it's really funny and it's exciting it's fun you won't be bored, it's just great. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was great. So, good choice.
1: It's on YouTube, you can watch it. Um, I thought oh, I was going to be a rubbish martial arts film, but it was better than I can ever have uh, hoped it would be.
0: Great. Thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah. It's only the second Jean-Claude Van Damme film I've ever seen. And so it's now my favourite Jean-Claude Van Damme film. The other one was Time Cop, which I think is also good. But this is just, it's phenomenal. And and like you said, I don't know why everybody... You know, people always talk about things like The Room and all this sort of stuff about, you know, fun, bad films. This is up there with that. This is just so entertaining. I think it's more entertaining than The Room. The Room's out and out bad. But there's actually
1: some skill in there. In the fighting, there's really good martial arts in it. So it's odd that they've just so focused on that, that nothing else really matters so much. It's more of a vehicle for the martial arts.
0: Brilliant. What a a good choice. I'm I'm so pleased you chose that. And it's also interestingly, you've been on here twice, and it's your second martial arts film as well, because of course you chose Big Trouble in Little China as your first choice.
1: Oh yeah, I did, didn't I? I'm not even a martial arts fan.
0: I'll have to think of another martial arts one. I don't think you're ever going to top this.
1: No, hopefully it will get even more cult status. After the millions of people have listened to this podcast, it will be the number one
0: downloaded film in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) We could make that happen. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Yeah, so it's pretty close to to wrapping this up. Is there anything that you'd like to plug, Marek? Of course, I'd like to plug my YouTube channels, if
1: people are still listening, Marek Larwood, and my walking channel, which I'd go on nice walks. Cool Dudes Walking Club. They're the only things I do now. That's my job now. So subscribe (laughs) to both of those things and watch all the adverts. Don't press skip ad because I'll probably get one pence if you sit through it. And if a million people did that, I would have like 15 or 16
0: pence. <laughs> I, I will do a, a big shout-out for your art shows that you did on YouTube as well. They were great. They were really entertaining. I know a, lo- a oh, lot A lot right. of people got some pleasure out of those. I've, all the feedback that I've seen, all the comments was just 100% positive. So thank you for those. During lockdown,
1: I didn't have anything to do. So I started trying to paint masterpieces in 15 minutes in YouTube. I was doing it five a week, but it was too many. And making songs at the end of it. <laughs> it was taking me about literally 14 hours a day to edit sit and do the song so I went down to three and that was taking my, all, all my time but I will be doing some more painting videos maybe around August time I'll start again and i flogged one them on eBay for hard cash that's the main thing for me to get out of it
0: I, I will ask you a favour next time you're doing it can I, can I ask a bit of product placement you wouldn't mind putting your still any good mug into shot once or twice would you? oh yes I'll do that yes I'd really appreciate that that would be great that's why I sent it to you it's for product placement oh do that I'll when you can do find that. it <laughs> <laughs> no, i've been using it
1: right <laughs> it's, it's, it's on our top 10 mugs rotation you could put your paintbrushes in it and oh that would be perfect i don't want to ruin it chris
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think it's probably time to go so I'll, I'll do my usual little bit of housekeeping if you want to get in touch with us we're on twitter at still any good pod instagram still any good pod we're also on facebook still any good and if you ever want to email us it's still any good at com. And please remember to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts from. Marek, thank you very much. I've really, really enjoyed tonight. So I've enjoyed your company and I certainly enjoyed the film too. So so thanks very much. And as usual, we'd love to have you back on here again.
1: A pleasure to be here, Chris. And a pleasure to share your time too, listeners. Indeed.
0: And I know they love it. Your your previous effort is one of our highest downloaded. So uh, I'm sure this will be the same. Oh, cool. You're top three, you are? <laughs> Yeah, it's time to say goodbye, folks, so we'll see you again soon. Cheerio. Bye. Bye.
1: You don't want me to clap at all?
0: Nah. Well, you can applaud, but don't worry about that. That's okay.